Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. What's working is we just playing together as a team. Guys are hitting shots. Guys are sharing the ball. Guys are like having fun out there. Not really worried about individual stats and anything like that. We're just going out there playing hard, playing together. And there's always room to improve. We still got to improve in certain areas on the defensive end of the ball, on rebounding, improve on communication, just getting things sharper. There's still a lot of work to be done, but right now I think we're in a good place. Don't want to get too high, get too low. Just focus on one game at a time. There's Derek Favors on the Jazz Mindset. Six straight wins. Going for seven in a row against the Pelicans. The same Pelicans they just blew out on Tuesday. He's got right knee soreness, but he's probable. That just seems to be permanent on the injury report now. Uh, Elijah Hughes is out with a left ankle sprain. Jazz are all set up, PK. Time to go make it seven in a row tonight on TNT. Yeah, you know, I was watching the ESPN game last night. Houston and uh, the Suns. And Mark Jackson was just raving about the Jazz. And now they're going to be on TNT, get some little focus here. That'd be good. Get some more national exposure to the broader population of NBA fans. You and I and our listeners and Yach, we all know about the Jazz and hardcore NBA does. But let's see how good they are. You know, it's an opportunity to maybe to show a little bit different. And I think that when you got so many games, one after another, you know, if you have a little extra motivation or different motivation, maybe it's a better way of saying it. Take advantage of it. Push your record to 11-4. and four. Jump on these guys early and put them away. Take away their spirits and their very will to compete. Kind of like they did when they uh, blew them off the floor in the third quarter Tuesday night. Yeah, but do it right in from pregame even. <laughs> 8 o'clock tip, so sap their will to live about 740 with some really strong warm-ups. Yeah, oh yeah, you can tell. All right, TNT, 8 o'clock, Jazz Game Night. The pregame show starts at 7 o'clock here on The Zone with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe. Hashtag NBA. Sexton out front against Green. Sexton steps back. Three. There's another one. Colin Sexton. An absolutely incredible display of long-range shooting. So now Trey dribbling, driving. He floats it up there. And a jam by Clint Capella. And the Hawks lead. 121 to 113. In Detroit, they are befuddled. They call timeout. Leonard driving right. Gets into the body of Halliburton. Oh! Kawhi Leonard climbs the ladder for a major Kawhi light. Big time slam for the claw to make it 101-88. He's got 30. His second shot is no good. Rebounded by Anthony. Two seconds left. Anthony for the win. God, he throws it. Cole Anthony gives the magic a victory. Improbable. Unbelievable. In Minneapolis. Cole Anthony with the jumper at the buzzer. Orlando 97, Minnesota 96. Next year's team, PK. Suffering a heartbreaking loss. Oh, the Wolves you're speaking of? Yeah, next year's team. Oh, yeah, they're going to be good. Uh, At least just once before I die, and I hope to live several more years. Who don't know that? They have a Cole Anthony, Greg Anthony's son. Pretty nice shot there at the buzz. That was uh, exciting for those two teams who are going nowhere. And you heard a Kawhi Light. 
Kawhi Leonard with 32 points. Clippers blow out the Kings, 115-96. And, of course, the Jazz and the Clippers and the Lakers at the top of the West. You are just mentioning the Jazz need a win to get to 11-4. Well, that victory last night put the Clippers at 11-4. The Lakers are also 11-4. So, Jazz a half game back of both those two teams going into tonight. Kuwai. I like that. Kuwai. Uh, overtime games. Had an overtime game, and we had a double overtime game in OT. The Hawks beat the Pistons 123-115. Clint Capella, 27 points, 26 rebounds. Those are some massive numbers. Yes, they are. And a double overtime. Colin Sexton went for 42 points, and Cleveland beat the Nets. Kyrie Irving playing again. Durant, Harden, Irving. All playing together for the first time in the Nets uniform, and Colin Sexton goes for 42, and the Cavs win in double overtime, 147-135. Sexton's my guy to watch. I've been pumping him now for a few weeks. He didn't play when the Jazz played them, and the uh, NBA preview or review, whatever free preview I guess it would be, is on this week. Normally it's the midway point of the season, which this week normally is. So the point being that I was able to watch that game because it was on my free television and I did watch it and he had a three right at the end of regulation Sexton and then just went nuts in the overtimes with the threes wow man it was incredible Kevin Love who wasn't dressed he's injured but he was going berserk as Sexton was just making shot after shot it was just unbelievable and I know we throw away throw around that word constantly and uh watching him play. He just outdueled everybody for a stretch there. Those overtimes and that last possession of regulation. He was the best player on the floor when you have some pretty good players on that other team over there in Brooklyn. Phoenix Suns are fourth in the West. The game you are, uh, were watching, the Suns beat the Rockets 109-103. And your guy, DeAndre Ayton, he's your guy if he plays well, but if he doesn't. Mm. But if he has a big stat line, 26 points, 17 rebounds, and they win, well, there you go. Well, I tell you, I listen to Phoenix Radio a lot when I go to the gym, and they have been talking, James Jones is their GM, been talking about how his performance, speaking of Aiton, so far this season has been very uneven. It's He's not very aggressive. He's passive, does fadeaway jump shots, doesn't go to the free throw line, all the things that you're looking for with big men. And they've been talking about how they're going to just really sort of get in his face, and Chris Paul, I think, is showing up. This is something that, unless you're following it, a little closer than normal you wouldn't understand the influence that Chris Paul's having telling this fella hey listen young man you're big you're tall you can run you're athletic you got all the skills in the world but you got to add the passion and you got to go up strong don't put the ball on the floor when you get an offensive rebound find a way to keep it high and go strong when you're standing right underneath the basket and you're 6'11 well for one game you could see it made a difference. And if he could play anything close to this, the Suns are very much capable of getting that fourth spot. You know, the Warriors started poorly, and Steph Curry said, hey, we got to start winning and all that stuff. Well, they've, they've won two in a row and six out of nine now. They beat the Spurs 121-99, to blew them out. And Steph Curry, 26 points, not outrageous, but 11 rebounds. Didn't expect that out of him. And he also had seven assists, and the Warriors win easily. And they're starting to play a little better now, tied for fifth in the West. Yeah, that's about what I thought they could do. 
After witnessing some opposing players disregarding new league rules, new league rules against unnecessary contact on game nights, the NBA is moving team security into the midcourt area to dissuade violations that include hugging and handshakes, according to a league memo sent out this week. No more post-game hugs and handshakes. They've had to cancel some games, and games mean money. No pre-game handshakes. Done with that. No pre-game, no post-game, no nothing. When's that start? Because last night there was plenty of it. <laughs> the memo apparently was obtained by ESPN yesterday, so I'm assuming today? Better get on it then. Mm. Execution for not just the team and the players, but for the, the staff. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. College hoops tonight. we got a lot of games. 7 o'clock, BYU plays Portland. First home game in a month. Portland's 0-4 in the big sky. BYU coming in with an 11-3 record. That game's on CBS Sportsnet. Yeah, Portland's (laughs) 0-4 in the WCC. CBS Sportsnet to pin tonight, PK. Be there. Uh, If I were them, I would drop down to the big sky or just quit altogether. Southern Utah is playing Weber State in Ogden. That one's on KJS 14 at 7 o'clock tonight. 5-1 Southern Utah, second place in the conference. Weber State's 1-1. They've had a bunch of games postponed. Utah's in Pullman to take on Washington State. The 2-5 Utes, the 2-4 Cougars. Possibilities abound, PK. Pac-12 Networks. Can the Utes win on the road? It's 12 straight conference road losses. Well, you look at the Utes. I mean, the possibility of anything and everything. I mean, they beat Stanford, one of the better teams. They took UC Los Angeles literally right down to the right last second, and they're the best team at this point. And so Utes have the talent. That's what's maddening is that they've shown, and stretches in games, obviously, with these halftime leads, they've shown. I mean, really, you can look at it, and there's really no reason outside of just head scratching that they they're not five and two. But nevertheless, you are what you are with the record, and they're two and five. After Washington State, they're going to play Washington, and there's only one Pac-12 game last night, and Washington won it. Their first Pac-12 win. They beat Colorado, 84-80. You always talk about head scratchers and shockers in football. That's one in basketball, right there. Colorado went in five and two, and Washington went in zero and seven, and nonetheless, Washington won. You're telling me Washington won that game? Yes. Colorado? Washington beat Colorado. man. 84 you, yeah. you cannot let that happen. That's what's that's what's maddening. And I think you get, and maybe you get that a little bit in the pros, but you certainly get that in college. You know, I guess it's because kids are a little bit younger and all that stuff, uh, and you end up with stuff that just doesn't make any sense, and that's one of the things that didn't really make any sense. In the Mountain West, Utah State goes for their 10th straight win in conference play, their 12th in a row overall. They're playing Colorado State again, team they just beat soundly on Tuesday in a 17-point win. That one's at the Spectrum. That's a late game, 9 o'clock. Holy cow. 8.30 the pregame with Scotty G. Fox Sports 1's got the game at 9 o'clock. They're tied for first place. Boise State uh, trailed Fresno State at halftime last night, but uh, 173-51 pulled away in the second half. So both those teams now 9-0 at the top of the conference. And we'll see if uh, see if Utah State can get to 10-0 tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Yeah, we don't play that game this week. That's the message to everybody. 
we play the Packers in the NFC Championship game. You start thinking about the Super Bowl, get your ass beat and be packing your bags on Monday. <laughs> you missed that on Phoenix Radio? That's Bruce Arians, former Cardinals coach, now the Bucks coach. He's a tell-it-like-it-is guy. He's very entertaining. I told you that one story. Some rookie had a, had a knee injury. He goes, oh, he has a knee problem. And, well, I thought it was an ankle. Yeah, it was, but that was before when before I stuck my knee all the way up as you know what. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any danger of looking ahead to the Super Bowl. The fact that you're playing the Packers in the NFC title game that that's a tremendous amount of achievement already and a tremendous opportunity you're playing the Packers with Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff that would that'd be one of the last things I would look for especially with the team with so many veteran guys how do you look past uh, a trip to Lambeau Field frozen tundra NFC yeah. title game against a quarterback who a is a first ballot Hall of Famer Already Super Bowl champ, and he's thrown 50 touchdown passes this year. You know you're getting tested. This guy's on top of his game. Well, yeah, I haven't seen a line, but I'd have to imagine that the Packers are favored, so you're the underdog, so I wouldn't think that would be a possibility. You're going into a legendary venue. Football stadiums don't get the venues sometimes the way, like, baseball does maybe, but, you know, Green Bay, Lambeau, Vince Lombardi, Frozen Tundra, on and on and on. Green Bay's favored by three in that game. Yeah. And Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes did practice in a limited capacity. It was in a uh, – they went indoors, and there was no no room for media, so they didn't get to observe it. Uh, it was supposed to be a longer practice today. So it's a step towards playing on Sunday, but it's still unknown. If he hadn't practiced, if he hadn't practiced, that would have been a big old red flag on missing the game, but uh, it's yeah. a step towards it. Mm-hmm. Lions hired Saints assistant head coach and tight ends coach Dan Campbell as their new head coach. He gets a six-year contract. He'll be introduced officially today. The Lions, is there a sorrier franchise in pro sports? One playoff win since 1957. They won a single playoff game. That's, uh, what is that, 63 years now. That's not much. No, that's amazing. Right, and it's over a quarter of a century since they won that one. I'd have to look it up, but I think it's 93, 94, somewhere in there. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Pac-12 announced last night that Larry Scott's 11-year tenure at the helm of the conference will end on June 30th. His original deal ran through 2022, but it'll be shortened by one year. He'll remain on the job until his successor is named, but they want to have someone in place June 30. He issued a statement, I was in pro sports for 20 years. I have now been in college athletics for more than 10. It's a great time in my life to pursue other exciting opportunities, Scott said in a statement. This moment when college athletics are moving in a new direction with the conference soon commencing the next round of media negotiations, it seems like the right time to make a change. Doesn't feel to me like he made the change, PK. Well, anytime you're fired, you're making a change. Yeah, so essentially he was fired. I was thinking maybe he would get a last-minute pardon, but uh, it didn't turn out that way. Uh, yeah, it's been an absolute disaster. One thing after another. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, we'll have on Dennis Dodd, who spoke with him, Larry Scott, last night. Uh, interested to see what he says. He'll come on at 9.30. Uh, looking at stuff this morning, uh, he did a, a Scott did an interview with Sports Illustrated, talking about uh, biggest regret, I think, was not getting a better TV deal, making it too long. Although, you know, he sort of, it, 
it's funny these guys you know he wants all this money and he's been getting it but then he wants to act like well it's a big joint decision uh, okay well you can't take credit for stuff and then when things go wrong well it's a joint decision we all decided this uh, obviously it hasn't worked out the exposure and the distribution has been pathetic the numbers have been pathetic because they've been surpassed dramatically and obviously in perception wise they've been they've been passed dramatically so I think we all knew it was coming I did not know it was going to come 18 months before uh, t to me uh, I would just as soon have them out today I mean, why let them stay on for another six months uh, get somebody interim in there appoint uh, some a couple of uh, athletic directors from the conference or something but uh, now it's uh, who's it going to be? What visionary is going to be out there? Talked about how he tried to get the 16-member conference, uh, which was very fortuitous for Utah that it did not happen. They would not be in the Pac-12 right now if it did happen, if Oklahoma and Texas came and took two of their uh, buddies with them uh, or four of their buddies with them. Uh, from the big big 12 and I don't have any problem with that you tried something it was a swing and miss but you tried it and you went you went huge and then you came in there and then he talked about how he's uh, he said reading the Sports Illustrated thing he's very happy with Utah and Colorado specifically Utah uh, I told you that time I was in the restroom at uh, Sun Devil Stadium talking with a Pac-12 official who said they were just static with the Utes because of guys like you and me they bring so much attention uh, to the because we're just nuts about U of U sports in general and obviously football and they love that so some good things but th this was an inevitable move it absolutely felt like it was going to happen and I get they are happy with the Utes and the, the passion around Utah I think they love all the people showing up at the Pac-12 media day and putting the Pac-12 people on the radio and you know whether it's web stories or uh, TV or whatever I mean love all that but it also screams that for all the problems that are Larry's, and he's got a whole list of problems that make this inevitable, there are also problems that aren't Larry's. You know, the fact that the passion here stands out so much, and it doesn't stand out in other markets. Uh, you know, just the fact there's fewer people in this part of the country is going to be a problem also. Uh, so the, the new visionary, as you put it, is going to have to have, uh, you know, some answers and some ideas how to work around those problems or uh, at least minimize them and, and maximize what is possible. And obviously, it doesn't feel like they came anywhere near that. It feels more like they made problems for themselves. And that's why there's going to be a new commissioner. Arizona State, your Devils promoted Antonio Pierce to the sole defensive coordinator role. Marvin Lewis will remain on the staff as a special assistant to Herm Edwards. Pierce and Lewis have been co-defensive coordinators last season. Lewis interviewed for NFL jobs this offseason. Yeah, he did. I think the big story there is that, that uh, the U of A came calling for Antonio Pierce, and he's a U of A guy, not anymore, but uh, that's where he played before going on to the NFL. I think he was a junior college guy first, and then made his way down to Tucson, and when they fired someone, uh, they came sniffing around, and ASU had to do something in order to keep Pierce. Now they look at him as the coach in waiting, a very charismatic guy, was in television with Herm uh, at uh, uh, ESPN. They were doing stuff, and so 
they really like him, and he's a big-time recruiter, so I think this is part of the process. He got some more money out of him. He gets a title, and I don't think Marvin Lewis really cared about whether he's this or that in his title. Anyway, he's best buddies with Herm, and he can do what he can do. But the point being, ASU had to sweeten the deal to keep uh, Antonio Pierce on the staff, and they did. Texas Longhorns have hired Washington's defensive coordinator. UW loses their defensive coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski. He'll have the same position on Sarkeesian's staff. He had made the move with Chris Peterson. He was a Boise State guy and went to UW in 2014. So I think Oregon's the team to beat up there, but Washington is clearly supposed to be one of the challengers as well. A loss there, the defensive coordinator leading. Why do you think Oregon's a team? You said that all the year. You just default to Oregon all the I time. I do. And who won the Pac-12 title game? I know you don't like it, but who won it? And who's been getting all the uh Who won, the, who won the North? Washington. Okay. <laughs> That's why I said Washington's supposed to be one of the challengers. They're the defending champion. They're not a challenger. Yo, there's no champion of divisions. You've told us that multiple times. Of the North. They won the North. Doesn't matter what I think. They won the North. Coming up, we'll talk Pac-12 football with Chris Hill, former Utah athletic director, is going to join us at 8.30. And as PK mentioned, Dennis Dodd will be here at 9.30. Where does the Pac-12 go from here? Who might they be looking at? How many of these problems can be fixed and how quickly? We'll talk with Chris Hill at 8.30, Dennis Dodd at 9.30. Also, NFL playoffs this weekend. John McClain, longtime NFL reporter for the Houston Chronicle, be here at 8 o'clock. Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, at 9 o'clock with the Jazz playing the Pelicans tonight. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Head basketball coach at Utah State, Craig Smith, with us here on The Big Show. I gotta tell you, it feels so good to talk to you guys. The fact that happen to be bogged down by talking to Scotty Gerard <laughs> um, all the time. Well, coach, let's talk about your team. 36-9 and nine in Mountain West play, 21-2 and two at home, and two-time Mountain West Conference Tournament champion. What's going right up there? You know, coaches do your best to put guys in a position to have success. But basketball is a player's game. Players gotta go out there and defend hard and rebound and make the decision on the offensive end. We've been fortunate to have some very good players that have really bought into what we're trying to do on both sides of the ball. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes with Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Question of the morning. Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott is out in June. Your reaction? Nick, bummer. I thought he did great for Utah in the Pac-12. Laugh until he's crying emoji. Well, he did do great for Utah. He brought them in. Scott says that's too bad. The conference is mediocre like their commissioner is. Well, then that would be good. I think we got some Cougar Nagy fans weighing in here. Anthony says, long overdue. They need to get a replacement that's up to the job. They need to move the Pac-12 headquarters to a more affordable place in San Francisco, amongst many other pressing matters. Jeez, I mean, any place. You could move to New York City. It'd probably be cheaper than San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) So literally anywhere, literally anywhere in the conference outside of the Bay Area is going to be cheaper to what the, what extent. And that will be interesting to see what they do. They just create a whole new brand, almost like start completely over. 
and move everybody out of there. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, Kanzano up in Oregon has just gone, I don't want to say overboard, but he certainly beat that drum a thousand times over on the property. And we all know how expensive it is. Uh, so we've probably had family, or maybe not family. I've had family. You've had family that live up there. We've been there or over there, down there, whatever it is, a million times over. And even if we haven't, we understand the real estate pricing is through the roof. If you have any California experience, you know that. So, yeah, that should be part of it. But that that's bold and drastic. It could be like a complete start over to change locations. There's any number of places you can go. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Phoenix, Salt Lake. I saw some people suggesting Las Vegas. You have all Vegas, your conference baby. championships there. Yep. Yeah, well, that's a, and I think that was one of his uh, achievements of moving the thing to Vegas, uh, uh, particularly basketball. I think that was a smashing success, and he wants to. They're going to move football there. So since you're going to have, I don't know, you're going to have all your championships there but your two highest profiles, so that's something. And that's much cheaper, obviously. Vegas, uh, obviously, is much, much cheaper than the San Francisco downtown area, no less. So I think they should do that. If for no other reason, it's like, okay, we care about the finances, and so perception-wise, we're not going to live in this luxurious place and have you live in some great place with the great weather. I think he lived over by Danville, if I remember correctly. He got a home loan from the conference. You're paying him all that money, plus you give him a home loan. At that he's never paid back? Zero interest rate or whatever it was, I'm not sure. I have to get Kanzano on that. He's the digger of dirt. On $1.9 he wrote about it. He wrote about it last yeah. night, about two hours after the thing broke. Yeah, he's been beating that drum for so yeah. long. He got what he wanted. And now the guy's gone. So I think they should, for if for no other reason than perception-wise, completely and totally revamp the thing. If it, it's at least move it to a, a better, a cheaper location in the Bay Area because it always was in the Bay Area. I think under Hanson, the longtime commissioner who preceded Scott, it was in the Walnut Creek area. Yep. Uh, Wayne says, uh, bye-bye, bye-bye now, bye-bye. It's an old Saturday Night Live routine. People just can't wait. Why wait? Kick him to the curb now, Kent says. That's what you were just saying in the last segment. Why six more months? What major decisions are going to be made now? Football scheduling, I guess? Well, they still have COVID stuff going on, and that, that could change. Who knows? Almost like to the point of any time next week. I mean, just think back uh, 10 months ago when it happened. It happened literally overnight. And the the situation changed dramatically from March 10th and 11th to March 12th and 13th, as we know, uh, across the board. And that's another thing, too, uh, that people uh, in my readings this morning and some last night before I went to bed, obviously, that the was uh, that they never really touched on that as to how you come up with this great testing and then you sit there for a few weeks before you decide anything. And it just seemed like, too, there was no leadership. You were just playing follow the Big Ten leadership and whatever Warren was doing over there and that commissioner, that's what you were going to do. 
And it seems so silly uh, around you when games were being played, and you you cost conference you cost schools a lot of money. And he acknowledges it in the Sports Illustrated Q and A that he did that there's a bunch of short term pressure on schools right now as we speak, and we know for the U of U. Mark Harlan, I think he's been pretty transparent in saying that uh, they had a $50 million deficit, and then after playing, what, well, they played five games, it went down to 35. Well, that's that's a nice chunk that it was reduced, but it's still a massive amount of money, but, and many, many jobs were lost. And and, and what was that, that, that uh, before before you speak, that, that Baylor women's coach said that they're playing basketball for the almighty dollar? No bleep. That's how you've made your millions. What is so wrong with that? Somehow college athletics isn't supposed to play for the almighty dollar? Give me a break. So many people. That's their income. That's how they live. And now all of a sudden that's bad? That's ridiculous. They, they, you know, they weren't even moving in lockstep with the Big Ten. It's just such a bad look. If you moved, at least if you moved in lockstep with the Big Ten, you would have been back two weeks earlier, and that $35 million deficit might have been $30 million. Sure. And you were the ones who said, hey, this is a game changer. So maybe you could have come back a week before the Big Ten and the Mountain West Conference. You know, and maybe that deficit would have been 27 or $28 million. For all the people who got laid off, that would have mattered a lot. Of course. And so yes. it's <laughs> you're not even moving in lockstep with your partner. You're following them. And it, there's just no explanation for it. It, you were the one who said it was safe. If it's not safe, it's not safe. But when you say it's a game changer, well, we're all waiting for the game to change then. Or in this case, the game's to start. So the short-term pressure, but it just feels like that's just the final straw because it's everything. Uh, I mean, one of the stories I read, there's a bunch of quotes. It's just, it's how he treated people. It's how he talked to the ADs in the early days. It's how he didn't talk to the staff and communicate with them at all. Obviously, it's about TV distribution. That's a huge deal. It's also about how much the conference office cost. And so now it is all these things. We've been talking about him forever. And so now he's, I mean, if he's not out, at least, you know, I'd, once you get through the, the Pac-12 basketball tournament, and, you know, execute that and pull that off. And you probably have the conference football schedule for next year out by then. Uh, I don't imagine he's going to be grinding to the final day. There are people who say he was never grinding. And there may be other people in the office who pull off the basketball tournament. But you'll, you'll have the guy who's allegedly the boss there. But I'm really curious how the next person attacks each of these challenges. You know, where, where, does, where does it go from here? Because some of the stuff is kind of... It's kind of baked in, and you got to figure that out. And obviously, the new TV deal. Streaming's becoming a bigger deal. How important is that going to be going forward? Do you need the six regional networks? Or maybe you just need Pac-12 or Pac-12 and a Pac-12-2? Or Pac-12-B, I don't know, whatever. Just a couple? And would that be less expensive to run and, and, and stream all of the Olympic sports? Whoever gets you, whether it's ESPN or... CBS, everybody, uh, NBC, those three have all launched streaming. Maybe Fox has too, but I know the other three have for sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to me, and you need to get it right this time. Because obviously, you made a big splash last time, but it's like watching somebody cannonball in at a pool party and then they can't swim. You know, you're not keeping up here. It was a big splash, and everybody was excited when they first heard the contract, but then... Everybody else signed contracts, and they pulled away from you big time. 
Yeah, I think that was going to be a significant issue with or without Scott. That doesn't change. Mm-hmm. You just have to go and get your best person. That's why I think it's going to be somebody who's involved in that line of work, either through the negotiation standpoint from uh, trying to get the conference the best deal or from the television aspect on that side of the negotiation. So whatever that entails, uh, so there could be uh, – it'll be a significant addition, and that's something that they have to get right at a much better level than what they've been doing. And with or without Scott, they're going to have to do that. And I think that's the reason why they're making this change as early as they do because – or they, as they are, because of the fact that that's going to be a prolonged negotiation process with a lot of moving parts. And the sooner they get somebody on board who has the ability to do that. I mean, you could hire someone uh, relatively short and still let Scott play out the next six months, but just have this person, whoever he or she may be, uh, focus exclusively on the television deals. Because that just has so many different types of stuff out there. I'm reading Pro Football Scoop. Uh, Randy Freer is a respected former head of Fox Sports Media Group, Fox Network Group, and uh, also worked as a chief executive of Hulu. So in my mind, that's who it's going to be. It's going to be somebody with deep and extensive television experience because that is going to be something that can get you back some of the stuff that you've lost, get you going in a, a more positive direction. So it seems to me that that's what they're going to do. And distribution, obviously, to what level do they go and what network, what outlet or outlets, because it'll be more than one, that becomes a very intricate deal that they're going to figure out and do and they still have some time on that because what is that it's still a couple of years away Mm -hmm. but you're right when you said a lot of moving parts i love the way you sold it because that's a very good description which networks do you partner with how much do you do on streaming what do you do with the pac-12 networks that's three different things they all interact and they're all really important you got to get all of them right and, and you're right about someone with a TV background watching. You know, a lot of people now are writing these. A lot of the national outlets are writing a list, you know, top five candidates, that kind of stuff. Um, Mark Silverman, Fox Sports. Uh, he was, he's now at Fox Sports. They don't think they could get him now because he's so high up there. But he's instrumental in making the Big Ten Network a wildly successful venture. And the other thing is to go get somebody who's been in one of the conferences you're chasing because – they know what they did with all of these things. And so they've thrown out the athletic directors at Alabama and Ohio State. And they don't personally have the experience, but the people they've interacted with do. And, you know, you can hire, outsource a company to handle the negotiations, but you know what? You know what they're saying and what the packages need to look like and what a network needs to look like going forward. So you said the athletic directors at Ohio State and Alabama, uh, Alabama. have both been. Well, you got Gene Smith, who he's at Ohio State, yeah. Yes, and he was the athletic director at Arizona State, mm-hmm. and then you've got Byrne, yep. who went to ASU but was the athletic director at Arizona mm-hmm. uh, before taking these per- current jobs. So much like Mark Harlan, when University of Utah brought him to Utah, he had a lot of experience in the conference, 
having worked for UC Los Angeles and obviously at Arizona uh, before he took off to go to Florida. So coming back, uh, I don't think that there's going to be uh, someone who with uh, athletic director as the focus of their resume. Because while they'd they'd have some knowledge, they'd want somebody with even more. I think there's going to be, the person is going to be specializing in the television aspect of that as opposed to the athletic director aspect of it. That, that's my thought. I mean, I, I don't know that. So that's just... just I think you're, not, you're not that far off base, though, because uh, all of these lists, this, this came out, the, one, the three names I just gave you were on the Sports Illustrated list of five people. And they made sure, and, and he says, the Pac-12 could use all the media savvy it can get. That's why they threw out Mark Silverman at Fox Sports. Um, so, you know, they, <laughs> they need that. They well, I think it's the number right. one requirement. Yeah. And they've got to find a way. The Pac-12 network just languishes. It's just a joke. Yep. I mean, it just, it just isn't good enough. The product is decent. That's not the problem. The people they put in front of the camera that I see, they're fine. All that stuff is fine. In fact, it's a shame because they do a pretty good job, but, but too, it's just not available. Yeah, too many people can't see it. Yeah. So, all right, DJ PK, we'll have more with Dr. Chris Hill, the former Utah athletic director. He's going to join us at 8.30. And Dennis Dodd, national college football writer for CBSSports.com at 9.30. NFL playoffs, we got you covered in about 20 minutes with John McClain, NFL reporter for Houston Chronicle, been covering the league for 45 years. We'll talk with him, get into Deshaun Watson, see if uh, there's going to be some movement there, and the coaching carousel as well. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Matt Harpering, can this team keep shooting the ball as well as they've been as of late? I think so. I just think that, you know, what Dennis Lindsay kind of built this team around was a bunch of shooters. And, you know, rarely, though, they've taken the shot that you would consider a bad shot. You know, they're very precise in what they want. They want the corner three. They get the corner three. You know, on teams and scouting reports, you can kind of pick a guy that says, okay, we're not going to go fully out on this guy if he gets the ball from three. You can't do that with the Jazz. you got to guard all the shooters on the court. It's one of those things that picks poison. If you're going to not leave the shooters, then you're going to give up a lob at the rim, or you're going to give up a floater with either Donovan or Conley, and then if you help in on the, the pick and roll, you're going to give up a three-point shot. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Davis Vision's New Year's special is going on now. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of January. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Jazz and the Pelicans coming up tonight. It's a little later than usual. TNT, 8 o'clock tip-off. Pre-game show starts at 7 here on the uh, zone. And PK, it's a team you just you just beat pretty thoroughly on Tuesday, but you can't have any letdowns. If you really want to hang with the Lakers and Clippers and be one of the top three and pull away from the rest of the West, you can't be giving, a ga- giving away games like this one. And you just got to be the... Be the pros and go out there and grind it out. Even if you're the better team, you know the better team. And, and we all know sometimes that can bite you in sports when you're that confident or overconfident. Even if it's true, <laughs> you just can't screw it up. And that was pretty negative. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that even enter your mind that that would happen? Six-game win streak. It happens at some point. You're going to lose, but it just can't be these guys now. You just got to kick that loss down the, down the road as far as possible. <laughs> So you're, they're playing great ball, they're rolling, and you're talking to me about a loss? 
Yes, can't let it happen. Got to go win. <laughs> so, I know, but that's approaching it from the negative standpoint. Oh, I learned Continue it by watching you, doing. all right? Uh, yeah, I or, know. You, or I carried what... it, or I've carried it with me for a long time watching my teams lose when I thought they were going to win. Ah. Uh, well, that's yeah, you're a defeatist as a fan. I don't understand the point of being a fan if that's what you're going to be. Ch- check out, tap out if if it's all a defeatist attitude. But yeah, I don't even think that's on the mindset. Just keep playing great ball. Uh, keep being unselfish. Keep passing the ball, moving the ball. They got a good thing going on right now. I think that's abundantly clear. So there's no reason why you just can't keep going. I would be surprised if you didn't. And you may have to grind it out depending on if shots are falling or not. But that's even better. A grind-out win shows you something more. You got a little extra because in the postseason, you know, not every shot, you're not going to be shooting 50% from three most playoff games. So you're going to have to grind with a defensive effort and possessions become paramount in the postseason. So get a taste of that. If that's what should happen, I don't know. You get into games and you see how they go. But, yeah, this team is rolling right now. This is the highest level of confidence that any of these individuals have ever had. There's not anybody with the possible exception of Conley who has played and felt better about his game and the collective of the team that that individual is on than right now. I believe that. And as soon as you started talking, I thought, what about Conley? And then you looped back and included him because they did have some pretty good runs in Memphis and he must have felt pretty good right. in some of those runs. But you're right. This is a Jazz team that's been a fifth or sixth seed in the playoffs uh, four years in a row. And to be sitting here half a game out of the top spot, uh, you know, you are who your record says you are. And their record right now says they're one of the top three teams in the West. So they haven't felt, and, and not only that, but three pretty close to one. You know, in in another year, we could probably go find a year where three was pretty close to six and really not all that close to number one. Actually, maybe even last year. (laughs) And I think that uh, you just look at the way they're playing. You see the fun that they're having. And that's important. It's not drudgery. It's absolute literal fun for these guys. And they love moving the ball around. And then they got Mitchell, who can create when things get tough. And if they get tough, the other night they never really got to that point. But he has the ability to do a lot of different things, and even special things, obviously, because he has tremendous athletic ability and talent in the game of basketball. So you you know you've got that that you can use. And in the interim, man, they're just they are clicking so well on offense. Bowler will be here at nine o'clock talking more Jazz and Pelicans tonight. Chris Hill here to talk about the change in the Pac-12 conference with the commissioner Larry Scott out. Where do they go from here? We'll talk with Chris Hill at 8.30. NFL playoffs next with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Stay with us.